Good afternoon and welcome. A new year. Wow. We certainly wish all of you the greatest amount of success and health in the new year. This is Andal Banks. You're here as your host on Wish Upon a Star. Wish Upon a Star continues to be a dynamic radio program spotlighting talent in the arts arena with discussions of the challenges and some advice in making it in the visual, musical, literary, painting, and performance art. As a unique part of the show, we will interview professional guests, experts in the fields of community development programs, entertainment law, copywriting, studio recording, publishing, and promoters. Our guest today, ladies and gentlemen, is Dr. Dean Scott, philosopher, teacher, writer, speaker, and advisor. He is the success story of a man who saw the necessity to have strong role models and mentors in today's society for our young men, thereby propelling the 100 Strong Male Role Models Organization. This organization has come into a program that is being emulated across the country, a program that addresses young males who have encountered soft bigotry of low expectations and labeled as low achievers in our society today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Scott. Good afternoon to each and everyone that's out there serving the sounds of what we're hearing today. And may there always be an angel beside someone and everyone to often help to lift the social spirit individually. Excellent. You know, I was thinking, what better place to start the conversation and the questions than at the beginning? I'll read an excerpt to our audience from the Sun newspaper article, and it stated, and I quote, Life has been a whirlwind for teacher Dean Scott since the days immediately after the Sun News published an article about a once little-known group at Woodlawn High School, 100 Strong Male Role Models. Dr. Dean is the group's advisor who has nurtured the organization into a nationally recognized success story. Dozens of educators have been lighting up the school's phone lines in the hopes of getting Dr. Dean to come show them how to build a similar program for teens in their own schools. End of quote. So, Dr. Dean, I'm not going to fumble around and try to make pretend I know how to go into this, so I'm just going to let you do it. I want to let you tell our audience when and what the passion instilled you to take on this challenging task. Well, first I'd like to start off saying good evening, good afternoon to each and every one. As an educator, a father who's very, very strong, bonded to his own two daughters that he loved dearly, and when you walk into a school building to teach over thousands and thousands of students each and every day, five days a week, and on some Saturday, and of course, we have academic students, we have medium-sized students, and we have some students who are special ed. I don't like to call them special ed. I just like to give them the name as reaching high to get to a higher aiming force. When you have a compassion, I and mean, when you have a passion to teach each and every child, 
Of course, you're going to have various characteristics to understand the theory of the lesson that's being taught. I honestly can say every child on the planet of the earth is very highly intelligent. We, the teachers, the educators, just have to work accordingly to the style of the way they think and feel. Yes, the same ingredients are in their minds. It's just that we, the educators, have to bring it forward out to them. But first, it's got to start from a passion and having a, and being compassionate to the students that we stand in front of each and every day when we are offering them an academic course and the lesson that we provide every day. When we give these students what they when we give these students what they need, N E E D, that stands enthusiasm that they feel they feel that somebody has grabbed a hold of my attention to help me get somewhere. Because what we must understand, when they first come in the building at 7.15, 7.30 a.m. in the morning, they already come in with a lot of stuff with them from the background, their home lifestyles, and in the community. And many of those students bringing it in the building not, are not being aware that they're projecting a negative attitude. However, there's a lot of intelligence, intelligence, and gratifications in their minds that they are very smart. But unless we bring it forward and help them out, they ain't going to get nowhere. I believe that a passion goes a long way because it's, first of all, a passion is all about the potential that relies inside individuals. Absolutely. Uh, when we started talking about this, I said I wanted to know how long has, when did it start and how long has it been going on? Because I, I understand it's been quite a while now. Has and well it, been going on. It took off like a rocket. So when was this? When did it all start? Uh, 100 strong. Let me explain to you what happened to my listeners. I was teaching. I am an English. I am an English professional teacher, and in the English course, I realized that a lot of these students were having struggling problems writing. So I said with the crisis intervention, since some of their modified behaviors, I'm going to help and create a program. And I saw so many of the young fellas, they were very smart. They just needed somebody to enhance their ability. So I said, let's come up with the 100 strong male role models. And that's how it all began. And once that got started, it took off so well, and the students bought into it because actually in reality, the frame of the myth, the myth, they realized that they needed something, but they needed someone with a passion that could present it to them, that they could stick with them and help them and guide them. You could be a teacher all you want to, but if you are providing actually caring services where they can feel it and see it and understand it, you can forget it because you can't fool these students. They know when you're real. And when they know yeah. you got their back, and then when you got their back, you got it. You got everything that you need and what you want. But you got to present it first because that's who we are. And when that program took off like a rocket, 100 strong male role models, it just went so far and beyond. It just was so everlasting. I remember Congress Elijah Cummins gave me a call. He had heard about it. And he wanted to know if he could be the guest speaker at the inaugural induction, which was in 2001. And I said, of course you could. And Dr. Senator Lewis Kelly the state senators, Kelly and Shirley Nathan Pullum, they got involved because they was waiting for a program to take off. Not only are we teachers in the classroom, but you got to have special tutoring programs afterwards. That's only you're going to make it work. 
Exactly. It's a, it's a shim. Shim. S-C-H-E-M. It's a shim of a behavior. It's a shim of potential. It's a shim of getting things done properly so they can fly high like a wing that glues to the body. Well, I know lots of times when we start out something and it's always positive, you have that behind you backlash. So in order to make sure that everyone as a social awareness knew what your effort was, what did you say your mission and goal was in starting the 100 Strong Male Role Models? The mission, first of all, was to tap into each and every individually. Do not be biased. No favoritism. Just bring them on in. Academically, unacademically, social awareness, social behavior, no matter who or what the child presents, just bring them in. Help them to change the style of the way they think if they aren't properly thinking the way that we feel they should be thinking. you got to get them into that classroom so you can understand it. You know, a lot of times we sit in, in, in teachers' lounges or in the library or educators and they have conferences and meetings and talk about individual students. And a lot of students we may not know, you just hear about them. I was the type of educator. I want to see it for myself, and then I'll make my judgment call. There was a student named Delon Duncan. He was a, they claimed he was the, one of the worst students on the planet in the school building. Cutting class, hooking class, not doing this, not doing that. However, he was brought up in the foster home session. When I, they told me they wanted to know if I would work with him, I said, yeah. I put him in my, they put him in my class. He came in with all ease. At that time, ease was designed to be the lowest grade on the map. When he got into my class, when he got into my class, and not only into my class, I told I told him about the 100 Strong. He had heard, diligently heard about it. So he got involved with the program. Who was the student that had a turnaround grade but DeLon Duncan? He ended up with all A's in all five classes. How I got him to stay in the program, he had to be in my homeroom class, my first third class, and the last third of the day. The reason I designed that with the council was because that was the way of keeping him in the building so he would never leave the building. He had to sign an oath, oath that he would no longer cut class, no longer go to school, he would no longer disrespect teachers. And once he got into that program, we labeled him and called him the turnaround student. And that's how he became. He had all A's from having all E's. Again, E's at that time was the lowest grade you could have on your report card. And notice yeah. and we made notice that we made notice of that in a citywide paper and had him to become the, the turnaround student. And Elijah Cummins put a medallion on his neck for the first quarter to help him to understand that he has just made a mark. So that's how I'm gonna answer that question. Great. Again uh, I know I've got plenty of quotes here, which I'm going to get to later, but I want you to emphasize exactly what your great part was in this so that nobody would never mistake the fact that you did start this. And sometimes when we start things, Dr. Thing, we've got other people, adults, who look at you and say, hmm, that's not going to work. Did you have any of those initial first impressions when you got this started, be it positive yeah, or negative? Yeah, we, well, to answer your question, 
Yes, indeed. So there was a lot of staff members, professional staff members said, I don't know how you're going to probably get some of these students to be in this program. I don't know if that's going to work. They may not want to, they may not wear, want to wear neckties and shirts and dress pants on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I can't see them doing this. We can't even, can't even get them to put their shirts in their pants. So how are you going to get them to work a, to put a necktie and dress pants and dress shoes on? On Tuesdays and Thursdays, because one of the problems, one of the program, the program, you had to be dressed up on Tuesday, and a and a self contract went home to the parents, where the parents had to sign the contract that they agreed to have their sons involved in this program. So along with the letter that went home, I had a big meeting in the auditorium with all the students that was going to be involved in this program, and when the letters was coming back in the school from the parents, students sending it home, bringing it back from the parents. Teachers couldn't believe that the amount of parents that was attending this meeting in the auditorium from this program. Again, I go back to this. And if educators, if you're listening, and if you're a brand new teacher, you have got to know and understand you got to get them before they get you. And if you're real with your profession, if you're with your profession and if your prof- and if your profession of passion is all out there, then you got to get the students before they get you because in the classroom, you got to let them know who is the chief, who's the boss, and who's going to take charge. However, you need the students to help make all things prosper through prosperity. And yes, to answer your question, there were certain teachers that wasn't in things that do amazing great. How are you going to get this thing to go off like a rocket? I'll say again to you educators, be real, be honest, be gentle, show your passion, emulate the person that you said you're going to be when you signed that contract with any school system to be an educator. So, yes, there were certain people that didn't know how it was going to take off. you got to be you. And that's a statement that goes, I am who I am. And it is what it is. And unless you can fit that and understand, because you know what we people understand is when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. So what do we do in that change? We make a change. And that was part of my ingredients and the method of the myth when I was working with all these students. And that's what brought them in. Then when we started realizing the hundreds of parents, the hundreds of community parents who got so involved, to help make this thing happen. So hopefully I've answered your question for what you were looking for. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, I want you to continue to emphasize that because in our society today, when we speak of and look at all of our young men, regardless of where they come from, mostly, like I said, they try to make them think that they are not a part of society and they get shot in the street. They get shoot through each other. These are the kinds of things that I hope that people are watching, and that's what I added to my program, that we want community developers on the program, too, because this is what we need today. I know you had to collaborate with many people in different cities on this project. Tell us, what were some of these notable interviews, places, and experiences that you've had so far, Dr. D? Let me share something with everyone that's listening. One day I was sitting in my class, my English 12th grade class at Woodlawn High School, and um, 
the secretary of the school has said, Ms. said, Dr. Scott, we're putting a letter in your mail, a note in your mailbox, because a school up in Chicago, Kenwood Academy High School, just called. They had heard about an educational program that we have here in Woodlawn. They wanted to speak with you. So I said, put it in my mailbox downstairs. When school's over, I will give, I will give them a call. So when school's over, I goes downstairs, take the message out of my mailbox, and it's from a doctor. It's from Doctor Wyatt. He was the, he was the assistant principal at Kenwood Academy here in Chicago. So I gives him a call, and he asked me if it was possible that he and I could maybe get out here together and maybe come up with a special program because he had a program at his school in Chicago. It was called Brother to Brother, and he wanted to know what could we do together. And I said, sure, let's make something happen. So what we did, I sent him some information on who and what we did in our school, and in return, he did the exact same thing. So he wanted to know if we, was, if we could get together and bring some of my students to Chicago. I said, most definitely. So I contacted the person. Listen to me very carefully. Everyone out there, listen very carefully. I went downstairs to the principal. We I spoke with Dr. White, the assistant principal from Chicago, Kimball Academy High. And I said to the principal, we just got a special opportunity to take some students to Chicago and, and at Kimball Academy High. He said to me at that time, uh, but Dr. Scott, I don't think you're going to be able to make that happen. And I said, why would you say that? He says, because I don't know if students are going to be able to leave school to go to, to do that. I say, well, you're talking about something positive, something great, and where it's going to be an right. adventurous for society, for students. I said, I'm not going to sit here and let you think that I can't make this thing happen. I said, what I'm going to do professionally, I'm going to write a letter to the Baltimore County School Superintendent and aware him of the opportunity that our Baltimore County School students have a chance to do. So I wrote the letter. And I wrote the letter, and I brought it back downstairs two days later to the principal. And he said, are you really going to send this off? I said, I'm going to send it off. All I want you to do is to sign it, let me know, and the school know, that you're aware that the letter is leaving the building. I really wasn't asking for his permission. I wanted him to know I'm going to take this thing to the school board and let them know what we have a chance to. So we sent it to the school board, to Dr. Joe Harrison, the school superintendent of Baltimore County. He received it. He did not send me a letter and say congratulations. He called the school, Woodlawn High, and said he wanted to speak to me on the phone. I goes downstairs, I speak to him on the phone, and he says, congratulations, the trip has been granted for five days. So my point that I am making, unless you stand tall exactly. and go after what you believe in for children, anything can happen, but you've got to have a passion. And... Many teachers said, many teachers would say, wow, how did you get that? But I said, because you can't just take a trip because you, not, you don't want to be out of the building. You've got to have a strong standing purpose where the student's going to benefit from each and every day. That's the frame and the foundation when we are educating our teach students. My point that I am making educators, unless you go all the way and take extreme miles so the students can have a milestone, any ordinary positive atmosphere can take off like a rocket. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that, that is just absolutely beautiful. What I want to do right here, Dr. Scott, is read a quote. And this quote is from one of your members, well, probably on, at college now. Okay. But he wrote and said, um, 
Well, this is one of your colleagues, first of all. This okay. is, I don't want to use their name. I'm just going to say the, the students who actually attend this program are doing so well in class that they have been accepted at several colleges. And your colleague also said that another student, I'm not going to use his name, had grown content with low C's, which is a part of that low expectations mentality. But now both earning straight A's. Straight A's. Straight A's. That's what you're saying is part of what is happening. Again, I want to also advertise or emphasize with the audience that if we are sick and tired of seeing our young men, and like I say, young men across the board, being violently attacked in any aspect, what stimulates you more when you see these quotes, that I, one quote I just did, and the quotes of other students doing so well? How does that make you feel? It makes me feel good. It allows me to feel good. and also makes me know that I'm not just boxing in a boxing ring to get someone to understand and try to win. I want them to understand it's all about you. It's about you. And it's got to be up in that brain. So if it's about you and you know it's in you, allow that theory, that excellent mark theory, help take off like a rocket. Because when you come into the building, when those students come in the building, they already know what type of chemistry in the brain that they have that they can offer in a classroom. But unless we tap, T-A-P, Unless we tap into that, man, the teachers will never win. And don't give up on them. Because, see, when you give up on these students, they know you're giving up yeah. on them. They say, oh, I won. I got that too. I won now. Because they're giving up on them. They don't care either. Because you hear them say that. Oh, you giving up on me just like Jim, Jack, and Joe. Or Bevy, Mary, and Harry. So you can't yeah. give up on them. You got to stand tall when they come into your class. You got to accept them with a hand when they come into your classroom. That's when you want to know. So what stimulates me is the boxing growth, a boxing growth that I see in them. They box in a war, and they're trying to understand, how can I get out of this? How can I help make myself become a success through an accurate caring, providing accurate caring services? Absolutely, I, because when, when our young men have slogans on their cars, that they have a card that says, hands up, you know, don't shoot. What kind of mentality phrasing is this society coming in when our young people have to use phrases like that? So, again, what you're doing and all of the other coordinators and advisors in, your, in the organization are doing is stellar. A stellar community commitment, like you're saying, that is with a passion. Not only I want to tell my audience, uh, Dr. Scott, that they achieve wonderful things in their academics, but they also serve the community. Sharing and serving seem to be their specialty, somebody wrote. At the beginning of the school year, they sponsored a teacher appreciation banquet. Yeah, During Thanksgiving and Christmas, they fed hundreds of families and distributed donated gifts to area children. Yes, they they mentor students at Windsor Mill Middle School to help them prepare for the transition to high school. They tutor each other and others who need help at school, unquote. 
So what you're doing also is not so much as to let them know that the future means you have to be educated, but you have to be socially adjustable to life. And let me share something with the audience. I can remember I got about 12 12th grade students together, and I asked them would they be interested in helping out with a math and English class for a summer school program, and I would be there as the overseer and helping make sure the lesson is being carried out. What I'm getting ready to say is we got in contact with five middle schools, and those five middle schools, when those middle school students was coming to coming to the ninth grade level, we pulled about 50 of them in that were struggling in math and English. Oh. Mm-hmm. And we had 12th grade students to be my assistant to help them in those areas. And it was a free program for the summer, for summer, and the Baltimore County School Board and the school superintendent approved of it, and we provided lunches for each student. And the, the program was from at 9.15 in the morning to 12. The bus would pick them up in front of their, lo- their various local middle school and brought them to Woodlawn High School. And the 12th graders, those 12 12th graders, helped me to teach them math and English to get them prepared for the ninth grade level coming in. And also what they did, they built a, they built a platform ground outside where they planted all kinds of flowers and, oh, and, wow. and planted some flowers at a flower bed, and they planted in front of the school building. So so much went involved with that, and the parents bought into it. The parents thought it was great. What happened was a lot of the parents was asking me or would come up to me saying, how can we help out with the lunches? How can we help out with whatever you need? And I said, whatever your heart desires, you can do whatever you choose, whatever you want to do to help out with, with the students in this community. So it wasn't all just about what Dr. Scott did. It was a community-based exactly. yeah, where we all came mm-hmm. together because the parents saw the need which became national through an through enthusiastic the way they wanted to become part of this because they saw a product that could take it to a higher performance. Absolutely. And I understand also once they did the garden and did all of these things, that the rest of the community and the school didn't mess it up. They, they didn't mess it up. No, they didn't touch it. That's they couldn't fantastic. touch it. And what we had, we had, um, we had Home Depot to donate Home Depot in Baltimore County, Northwest Side, they donated some fence to put it all the way around, and that's what happened. And oh, we got out there, about, about 30 of us got out there and planted that, and it was took off like, I mean, it was just so beautiful. It wasn't always just about academic achievement. It was teaching them social skills, social awareness, exactly. um, social accountability. And that's where it all came into. It all came into that. It played a major role. But going back again, teachers, if you're listening, you got to get them before they get you. Because if they think that they can come in there and rule and control and take over you, you done lost them. But if you get them on day one and day two, you done won the battle. But you got to be consistent. And you got to be persistent. You got to have that classroom management skill mentality. You got to let them know who can ride in the ship and who will fall off if you don't do the right thing. 
I like that. What we're going to do, Dr. Scott, is take a break. I'm going to take that, like I said, 15 or 16 second break for a station break, and we'll be right back. Let's get loose. This trick. Yeah. That, that, that. What up, y'all? I just came yeah. to your city to say what's up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Show me love. Hi. Uh, hop off the plane to a new show what up? And all the shorties, they be waiting on me Thugs packing they pistols But ain't nobody aiming on me Got a pocket full of fresh dough So you know I gotta bake it, homie And I'm thankful Get whatever you want Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Wish Upon a Star This is Andale Banks, your host and we want to let you know that Wish Upon a Star is broadcasting on bbsradio.com, Station One. We welcome comments and suggestions at musicradio34 at gmail.com. Again, if you want to hear something in particular on part of the genre in the arts arena or a community person that you might know of, let us know. We welcome comments and suggestions at musicradio34 at gmail.com. You can also hear our broadcast on any of our 50 affiliate stations by going to bbsradio.com forward slash affiliate dash partners. We are also on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, and you can listen to our previous broadcast for the past five years Thank you very much for that applause. I know everybody's applauding. <laughs> this is now pointing to our fifth year. Our previous broadcast is in the archive link on our show page at bbsradio.com forward slash wish upon a star pound archive. Again, welcome back. And our show today, very enthusiastic, a mission, a man with a mission, Dr. Dean Scott, who has started and is still, after over 10 to 15 years, helping our young men under the program, 100 male models. What we're talking about is how to get our young people continuously interested in the importance of education. Welcome back, Dr. Scott. Hello there. How is everyone? Okay. What we're going to do is continue with the uh, wonderful dissertation you have given on what these young men have done and are continuing to do. We just celebrated a notable achiever, role model. What is the summation of some very important qualities in choosing a recognizable role model? And when you choose them, what is the significance of that particular role model that you emulate to the student. Let me say there is a student by the name of Mark Montgomery. He was the spokesperson of this organization. In the 10th and 11th grade, he was, as they call him, a knucklehead. I got him at the ending of the, at the, ending of the 11th grade. His whole life also turned around. What happened was I walked into a Spanish classroom where he was attending Spanish. And I wanted to go see just exactly what he was doing in, in that class. However, he was one of the top students in the class. He just wasn't being challenged properly. He said because you couldn't understand the Spanish teacher because of her language. 
but yet he was a smart student. So he was one of those type of students that was very, very highly academic, but he disturbed the class. So in the okay. 12th grade year, in the 12th grade year, he was in my class. Top of the line. Top of the line. Straight A student. Graduated at the third and the top of the class. Went to Morehouse College. Graduated with oh. a bachelor's degree. Went back to Morehouse, got a master's degree. Now he's a minister. He's ministered in Washington Union Church over in Washington. He also is running, he's also now running an academic youth career program. I say that to say, don't say what you don't think that they can't do when they come to you and they say they need to know what they can do. If that makes any sense to any teachers out there. Teachers, you have got to come up with a style and you got to let that best, let the best yet to become, become a reality. Because when you tap into some students, not just one, but when you tap into some students, you will get the cream of the crop because they're learning just exactly who you are. There's another student named Nathaniel Turner. I'm going to put his business in the street. He was a rough rider. I mean a rough rider. And they would say they wanted him out of the building. They didn't because he was this and he was that. I said, I don't know this student. Introduce me to him. So they said, he comes in the building in the morning. Why can he come in the building? So I made him my point, standing in front of the building with the principal. When he came in the morning, they told me who he was coming in. I said, and so they moved and let me stand there. I said, young man, how you? Good morning. He never saw me, but he knew about me. I said, first of all, take off your coat. Because they said he wouldn't take off his coat. So I said, take off your coat. He said, it's my coat. I said, I know, but it's going in your locker, or either I'm going to put it in my office. You got a choice. So he, so he took off his coat, and he gave me his coat, and I put it in my and I put it in my office. He's the student, the thing you told me that they said was rough rider, hard head, this, this, and that. But my presentation was different than any other teacher or any other staff member presentation. Again, right. you got to be careful how you address and approach them. You got to remember the community already grabbing a hold of them. But when right. they come into a school building, you got to know how to address them and grab a hold of them. And we became an extraordinary, we, we built a very strong, positive relationship. They said, there's no way he's going to wear neckties and shirts. He ain't going to do it. He's a hardhead. I said, okay. So what I would do, I said, here, put this necktie and this shirt on. I provided neckties and shirts. What I would do, I would go to many, many, many cleaners and ask them, anyone that leaves shirts, men that leave shirts in the cleaners, they don't pick them up. Could you please donate them to me so I can give them to my students? So I gave him a shirt and a necktie, put it on. And he said to me, I don't wear no shirt necktie. I say, put this shirt and this necktie on. And you have to have it on all day long in order for you to stay in this building. And he put it on. And, and again, it kept going and going and going and going. We built a remarkable relationship. He graduated with great, age, with great success making the honor roll. His math teacher, I never get his math teacher, didn't want him in the class. Wanted him out. Who ends up having one of the top grades in the class? Nathaniel Turner. Who ends up having one of the great averages in the English class? Nathaniel Turner. But no, that's the student they wanted out of the building. That's the student they would put attention to. Again, educators, you got to tap into them and get them before they get you. And you got to know how to grab a hold of them, and be careful how you approach them. Don't let one student that you had a problem with that has similarities of that student think that that same student has the same mentality. 
Change him. Change her. Help them. Build them. Give them. Show them. Provide. At least that's what you said you was going to do in your contract. Exactly. Another one of your colleagues, and I say colleague because this is one of those extended colleagues from Washington, who said, and I quote, we've got a lot of kids who are on the fence who have to decide whether they're going to be tough or grow up to do something worthwhile. We know and hope that the energy of the 100 Strong Male Role Models group from Woodlaw has and will be something that gets us going in the right direction, end of quote. So what you're saying is absolutely true. These are some of the teachers that said, now I'm not just here to get a paycheck. I'm going exactly. to help my students. Because it could be their, their children. They could be beginning to, if their children are young, they could experience this out there in society. When exactly. I mentioned soft bigotry, Dr. Scott, even we, you, me, because I think I'm much older than all of y'all, but anyway, we might have experienced academia, academia asking, why you as an African-American probably want to choose that career? Say, for instance, they might look at you and say, why do you want to have a, a, a medical degree specialization in oncology? Or why do you want to study biochemistry? Why do you want to go in aeronautics? Do you have that feeling that that is still going on? And how do you handle that with your students? Because they're going to get it. I know that. And I can understand it. I understand exactly what you said. Because let the truth be told, actual reality, I wanted to be a more, I wanted to major in mortuary science to be an undertaker because my uncle right. owned a funeral because my uncle owned a funeral home, and I was very very close to my aunt and Mary. And her uncle, Roland Brown, was the director of the funeral home. And I think I right. heard what I saw. But, however, I was informed that my writing skills and my comprehension in the English world and writing essays was so powerful and strong that could be utilized in a classroom teaching students to build their self-awareness and writing skills and, and then my personality and my character and my self-motivated going for people, because I'm a people person, they thought it would be used for working with young people. And I said, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. So, you know, advisors always can see through a big, can see through a mountain when we're trying to understand where we're going and what we're going to do. So what right. happened was I had to do this. I had to do an essay on environmental environmental status, and in the environmental status essay that I did for five thousand words, I won. And they said, just imagine how you could get a thousands of students to do the exact same thing. Because I based the I based the essay on environmental status, dealing with community and people. In, in our world. So, yes, I can understand exactly what your question was to me about changing your profession or why you want to do this or why you want to do that in a certain particular various profession because we do sometimes feel uncertain what we really want to do. But I can honestly say through the spirit and love of God and my gift, my powerful gift, I am happy that I had the opportunity to work with thousands and thousands of students because I've seen milestones of success and achievements come across the board. Excellent. Because when uh, computer technology came out, 
I, I, I definitely wanted to be a lawyer. But I said, well, I came in on computer technology when it first started. But you could count how many black people were in the class. And, you know, let me just had to know math. You had to know, uh, uh, you know, language. You had to know computer language and all of that. And like and I said, even me and you probably experienced that when you went out into the work world. Because yes. I hate the knowledge, I hate the degree, but when they found out where I was black, the whole conversation seemed to change. Exactly. And if you don't mind me, let me interject on that real quick. You know what, talking about computer technology of stuff today, and you, so I'm sure a lot of you are listening, experience this as well. If there is no technology on the planet that these young folks cannot tap into. That they're not, I could be on a computer for like 20 minutes trying to figure out how to get to this site or how to get to that site. They could come in, and in 10 seconds, they got it. And I say, how they did you do that? What did you, yeah, but I say, how did, how did you do yeah. that? What did you do? I couldn't figure right. it out. The thing you're trying to always trying to show me how to get in, how to get here and how to get there, how to get out of that. I'd be like, well, how did you, how do you know how to do that? My point again when you show that passion and when you show them some real, when you show them some reality of real love and care, yeah. they go above and beyond because they know they know and they will help you out. So I understand what you're saying about the, about the technology of today. To I'm not saying that I don't know it. I do. All you got to do is ask them and they're directing God. Now they're your teacher. Exactly. And they were born in this age. They don't know anything else. Yeah, they're constantly learning. And they're constantly yeah. learning every second of the day about technology. Where some of us exactly. be like, well, I ain't got time. I, I don't know. And they just they show they can show you better than they can tell you. That's right. That's right. I heard uh some time ago, um I taught school but I taught computer technology in Virginia. And so the, the skill ahead was medical technology, management information systems. So a lot of times I didn't do that same type of teaching that uh, a city or a county school teacher would do. But in any case, I know I did all that what you say because I had a passion for it and I loved reading and learning myself. What do you think, and not saying that this is true, but just a general opinion or what can be some of the introduction of things that need to be done for our school children in order to make them more interested? I know I love school. I stayed after school. What can we do to make them, or what can the teachers do to make them more interested in learning? Okay, let's go back to let's go back to conversation one. It okay. all falls on the teachers, the educators. To keep them interested, teachers got to allow their lessons to be very, very interesting. Because the students, first of all, when they wake up in the morning, the night before they wake up, they already know, I don't feel like going to school. I don't want to go to school. Yeah. School is boring. I really, they, a lot of them say they only want to go to school because they want to go see some of their friends. But if a teacher can design and create a strong, modified lesson to keep their interest and to make it a, and allow them to see that it's all about you and anything can take off and can, and can happen. You got to put it into the lesson to keep their attention. You know, I used to have in my classroom a light bulb, and the light bulb was all the various colors. And I could put mood music on when it's time to take a quiz or time to take a test. I would put the mood music on, and I would turn all the various lights on it. 
most of my years, I taught um, 12th grade English. And in that, I made sure the lessons, the lessons, the lessons was all geared around them, for them, so it could be about them. And no matter what we did, because you got to remember, education is like a seed. That's what it is. It's a seed. It just keeps going and growing and growing. It's part of the ingredient and the mentality of the world of who and what we are. So you got to make it interesting. So to answer your question, what could keep them, what could keep their attention? You got to make it interesting. You got to make it interesting. New teachers, if you're listening, put it in your lesson. Put it in your lesson. Look at each individual student in your classroom because you're going to learn. You're going to learn every. You're going to learn every student in your class. So when you go into those classrooms and you see it's about those students, you got to say to yourself, this is, what I, this is what I'm going to modify my lesson today. This is what I'm going to do today because I just learned in his or her, her personality, his personality, his character, that that's the way of the world. So let me incorporate this in my lesson because they have just given me a memory that this is what I need to do to change some of my lessons so I can help them to become part of the greatness of great, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. If, if, if you can remember, because I'm trying to remember, the name of the movie, which Sidney Poitier played in, the U.K. movie. Yeah, yeah. Students in Europe. Um, I forgot the name of the movie, but you know what I'm speaking about. And yeah. let me, let me, just said was in that movie. Yeah, and let me help you out there. And for some of you teachers, you've probably heard of this movie also. It's called Freedom Writers. Writers. Freedom Writers. That movie, if you get that movie or if you Google that movie, it's called Freedom Writers. It is about some students in a classroom that was disruptive. They ran to school. They cussed the teachers, the principal out. The parents was getting on their nerves. You know, it was something that was missing. It was something missing in their lives. So they had this one particular teacher, young, young Caucasian teacher. She didn't give up on her. Her husband gave up on her. Her friends was giving up on her. Her colleagues was giving up on her. But she kept on going. She wouldn't give up. And what happened was the students fell in love with her. Going back to the beginning of the conversation of the station we're talking about, she wanted to let them know this is what she majored in, and she made a promise in her oath that she was going to help make a change. And what class? And those students, the greatest of all times in their class. She had the highest ranking scores in the whole building. But yet before she got there, this teacher they had before couldn't deal enough with them. The principal gave up on them. The counselors gave up on them. They just, everything was going on wrong. And that's real. That's reality. But unless, but unless you put your right foot forward and stand tall and let them know on day one what you were about and what bridge they're going to cross with your lesson, that's how you're going to get Absolutely. If that makes any sense. And I understood that, TJ, because many, many educators, they give up early, they give up so soon and early on these students. Don't give up on them. Society, society is already saying they are anything, but they really are. Look what's going on. I'm gonna put it out there. Look what's going on over there in the look what's going on over there in Washington, DC. Right. Look what's going on in Washington, D.C. Now, can you imagine having a leader in your classroom doing that? Absolutely not. 
know. You got to show these students some passion. You got to give these students some attention. You got to give them that extra mile. You got to design some extra curriculums after school. Get the parents to buy into it. So that you make a difference and you're here for the difference. And that you want them to know that the shore, the S-H-O-R-E, that type of shore, that they can ride and glide on anything as long as they got the right backbone. Yes, and the name of that movie that I was trying to think of was, was To Serve With Love. And to that simulated the, the, the fact of what a real school teacher would do when you think about your students. Again, uh, Dr. Scott, I'm not going to take any more breaks. If it's okay with you, I'm going to keep on going. <laughs> Is that okay? Um, unless you yes, you, got about, you have about maybe like five more minutes, and I'm enjoying this. You know, as an oh, Okay, as an and I got several more questions, and we have to do part two one day. We will. But my next question is, uh, or maybe it's not a question, it's, it's a, uh, a thought for you to actually emulate on. Um, some say, I'll say society, I'm not going to give any names, the perpetuation of low expectations in our males can be found in the home, then in the schools, and now even in the workplace. So how does your organization, 100 Strong Male Role Models, address that theory to the students? Well, let's just say this, too. When we sit down at a dining room table or a kitchen table to eat our breakfast and our dinner or our lunch that has been provided by our parents or grandparents or whoever those guardians are, they're giving it to you. When you give them that meal, you try to show them through the meal how it's going to allow you to feel so good and tasteful because you want a tasteful ingredient in your mouth. That's the same thing behavior that goes on in the classroom. If you give them something great to feel and something to make something happen, you, you got them going. And in some of these homes, you know, and no, every home is not going to be the same. Every parent don't have what the next door parent has or the parent across the street has. And no, every teacher ain't going to have what this teacher next door has or the teacher across the hall has. But however, we all understand and it's understood within our own walk path of life that we too can be, oh, say, can you see? Mm-hmm. And, that's, and, that's in a national, and that's in our national hymn. Think about Amazing Grace. If you listen to the song Amazing Grace, and you learn that song Amazing Grace, and you don't just sing the song, but you understand the song, you know where it's going, you know where it came from, you know how it was designed, then if you put all of those things in perspective, now you got a great foundation. If that makes any sense. That makes a lot of sense. I don't want to uh, uh, go past but anyway, we can still talk until they cut us off. <laughs> the other question I had in my mind, too, as for the level of your thought because of, of your so many years of teaching, do you think a culture's lack of assimilation to another culture's mold creates an attitude of low expectation? And namely, I mean by that, one culture may think the most important thing in the world is getting good grades. Your, your top career choices, attending a higher class university, speaking and representing themselves at a mature level in dress and speech. 
What is your opinion on that? Because you don't look like me and act like me, you ain't going to be nothing. No, and let's go back to this again. It doesn't matter of the culture, the skin tone, children, students, or children and students. Yes, they're going to have some sort of a behavior, but unless you tap in into it, I'm not biased. I'm not racist. Students in any national culture are students. So we're supposed to be providing accurate caring courses, accurate caring care, accurate caring walks, accurate caring status. In everything that we do, we're standing in front of, no matter what the culture is, because they came there to be taught. They came there so they could learn. And what do we do? We teach. Teach them well. And that's how I'm going to answer that question. Okay, and, and that's very good. And I'm putting all these little marks down here that ever um, I'm going to have a chance to go back. Because some of the things you've said are like I call keywords that we can take back with us. Okay, we know systematic change in anything starts with the individual. Then there can be influences at the institutional level. Where does your organization start with our young and making them recognize these changes almost in the circle of life? Because they're usually what? At what age? 13, 14? Well, change, change is good. Change is okay. different. Change is needed. Change is what some students is looking forward that they need to see that they didn't see last week. Right. And when we make a change, just think about how much of that boxing ring we're helping them out with. Because it's a war out there in, in the community, and there's a war in certain classrooms. But going back to it again, unless you make that change, everything will stay the same. You got to present it to them, teachers. You got to do it. You got to do it. They will win. They can do it as smart as they can be. Yes. These students are very gifted. They're talented. You know, they're creative. You know, just think about a student coming to your classroom and he got all E's, which is the lowest grade possible that any student can get on their report card. And then all of a sudden, six weeks become all A's, which is the top, which is the top of the line. It's cream of the crop. That tells you right there, it's been there all along. You have allowed yourself as an educator to tap into that brain and get into that character and show that individual. Because you got to, you can tell them anything, but you got to show them so they can get it. And be consistent. Be persistent. Allow them to know. Turn that door knob. Turn, and you put that key in the doorknob in your classroom at 7.15, 7 o'clock in the morning. When you put that key in your doorknob to turn that door, uh-oh, it's on. Because first of all, you're the only one in the room right now. So you got the opportunity to look all the way around the room, study what you need to study, think about all them thousands of students you got to teach today, and realize in your mind, I got this. I can do this. I can make it happen. Jim, Jack, and Joe. Mary Susie Melia be in here in a many minutes. Just think about it. <laughs> Excellent. Right. <laughs> because it's there. You it's know, right there. It's all right there. You know, that's exactly. And it goes like this. Once a task has just begun, you never quit until it's done. 
little greater, great or small. You do it well or not at all. Now get off the wall. Thank you very much. And with that, we're going to end. And we're going to say thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We have been conversing with a magnificent history on what's going on with our young men today and making sure they are set up for the future being qualified academically. Dr. Dean Scott, ladies and gentlemen, philosopher, teacher, writer, advisor, and speaker. Thank you, Dr. Scott, and God You're quite welcome. What we're going to do now is sort of take a station break and go off the air, but we will be back to let you know what our station is all about for the year 2018. Have a great day, Dr. Scott, and we here at Wish Upon a Star thank you tremendously for your informative interview. You're more than welcome. Ladies and we'll be back in 15 seconds. Good afternoon. This is Andel Banks, your host of Wish Upon a Star. We want to say thanks for listening to the broadcast. And we are broadcasting on www.bbsradio.com, Station One. We welcome comments and suggestions at musicradio34 at gmail.com. Again, if you'd like to hear a particular topic or theme, please let us know. For comments and suggestions at musicradio34 gmail.com. You can listen to any one of our broadcasts of the 50 affiliate stations at bbsradio.com forward slash affiliate dash partners or listen to our previous broadcast in the archive link show page at bbsradio.com forward slash wish upon a star pound archive. Again, God bless you. The happiest of New Year's. This is Andale, your host, and Denise Banks, your co-ordinator, saying, keep reaching for the stars.